0: Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check
1: out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. People and their dignity. Following Jesus also means a commitment to loving and serving others. So Paul instructs them that Christians should be known in the city as reliable people who work really hard, not just to make money, but so that they can have resources to provide for themselves and to generously share with people who are in need. After this, Paul addresses a number of questions the Thessalonians had raised about the future hope of Jesus' return. So some Christians in the church had recently, so Paul makes it clear that despite their grief and loss, not even death can separate Christians from the love of Jesus. When he returns as king, he will call both the living and the dead to himself. And Paul uses a really cool image here. He uses language that would normally describe how a city subject to the Roman Caesar would send out a delegation to welcome or meet his arrival. Paul then applies this imagery to the arrival of King Jesus. He too will be greeted by a delegation of his people who will go to meet the Lord in the air as they welcome and escort him back to this world where he'll establish his kingdom of justice and peace. Paul then wants the Thessalonians to see how this hope should motivate faithfulness to Jesus. So he pokes fun at the famous Roman propaganda that it's Caesar who brings peace and security. Of course, Rome's peace came through violence, through enslaving their enemies and military occupation. And Paul warns that Jesus will return as king one day and confront this kind of injustice. Followers of King Jesus should live in the present as if that future day is already here. Despite the nighttime of human evil around them, they should stay sober and awake as the light of God's kingdom dawns here on earth as it is in heaven. Paul closes all of these exhortations like he began with a hopeful prayer, that God would permeate their lives with his holiness, that he would set them apart to be completely devoted and blameless until the return of King Jesus. First Thessalonians reminds us that from the very beginning, following Jesus as king has produced a truly countercultural or holy way of life. And this will sometimes generate suspicion and conflict among our neighbors. But the response of Jesus' followers to such hostility should always be love, meeting opposition with grace and generosity. And this way of life, it's motivated by hope in the coming kingdom of Jesus that has already begun in his resurrection from the dead. And so holiness, love, and future hope, that's what First Thessalonians is all about.
0: So, no. for today, we're going to do a, a bar stool chat, uh, we being Phoebe and I. You're waiting to be announced, were you? I
2: am.
0: Are you waiting for like, a wrestler coming hope, in with I'm waiting entry for music? I want
2: everyone to be distracted by watching you try and get onto the stool so they don't watch me try and get onto the stool. Really? I'm okay. So, sure people getting onto stools. These ones are nice and low, actually.
0: I didn't wear a skirt today. I thought about that. So, kilt. <laughs> That's right. So, we have had um, eight chapters of Thessalonians, one and two Thessalonians, over the last couple of weeks. And um, we have finished that just before Easter, but we wanted to do a bit of a wrap-up now. So, um, we, we're just going to have a bit of a chat, you and I. And people are going to listen and we are going to also take some questions. So what we're going to do is, as you know, we do going deeper and going forward, two sermons in the 8.30. Um, We've just watched that video for one Thessalonians. What about two Thessalonians? We'll do that at the point where we think that you're sick of hearing about from us. Um, so we'll do a couple of minutes in uh, in 1 Thessalonians and then we'll get into the video and then we'll do two Thessalonians. Um, now, I've done a rat test, just so you know. I sound awful. I don't have COVID. I don't have emphysema. But we're going to get through it okay. Um, and you have had a big night up at the hospital being called in. So we'll see how we get through this. Uh, but anyway, so we will get into uh, a little bit there should be a slide that goes up and with a number to text it's not the coffee phone by the way so if you if you want a coffee don't text that number Um, that's my number and um, if you want to send a question through that would be fantastic so you did you did a bit of Thessalonians I did yes I did a bit of Thessalonians um, a couple of weeks ago, and we had basically our whole preaching just about our whole preaching roster, bar Mikey Barlow, do do a bit on Thessalonians. So um, that was really cool. I love the diversity of our preaching roster here at the chapel, and um, it's the different styles are sensational. Like it was so good having. 29 and a half minutes, I'm told, of Mike Kramer a couple of weeks ago.
2: I'm still processing that one.
0: Well, I reckon it was about 40 minutes of content in 29 and a half minutes. And he timed it a few times um, beforehand. And and uh, and we had, the week later, we had Dr David Moore doing about 30 minutes. Again, there was about 40 minutes of content in there, all solid. Every sentence was noteworthy if you're a note taker
2: and they're all on podcast we through the, the channel podcast Scripture so that if you did miss
0: them and then we relied on, on the other them. preachers exactly right. to um, so. to um, expose expository preach uh, on their parts and we were able to go quite deep so oh four, oh five, seven, eight, two, one, three, five. Um, also, there's plenty of banana bread and raisin toast left over as well. Um, so what was, what was something that stood out for you for, from one Thessalonians, the first letter? Five chapters written by Paul, sent to the Thessalonian church.
2: There's a lot of content to go through in those Five short chapters but I think the opening prayer that the video described beautifully in chapter one sets it up when Paul's giving thanks for this church that's been horribly persecuted and by all outward assessment you know you would say oh they're not doing so well they're you know by worldly standards these guys are really struggling but Paul actually calls them a model to all believers and he says he's thankful for first their work produced by faith their labor prompted by love and then the third thing which I think actually is the big summation of the whole book is endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ and that's the theme of the entire book of 1 Thessalonians is have endurance that's inspired by hope in Jesus not endurance that's inspired by hope in how well our church is doing let's not have endurance inspired by governments being on our side let's not have endurance inspired by worldly markers of success our endurance is inspired by hope in Jesus and that can never be taken away and the entire book then comes out on that framework.
0: Yeah, it certainly does. Um, And they had a a rough historical, socio-historical context, didn't they? Where it was a a port town, there was uh, tax exemptions and it's in current-day Macedonia and so it was a hub for Asia Minor, um, if this is a map, Asia Minor and, <laughs> and the Roman Empire as it, it pushed eastward um, towards uh, the the Eastern world, uh, and so it was quite a a good spot for um, for trade, and the gospel preachers, being Paul, being um, Silas, being Timothy, and the associated team that they had, were very strategic in putting their. Planning a church right there, um, and so that it was at a, as a hub, it was able to reach a lot of different places. Um, so one thing that I uh, I was amazed by <clears throat> was that um, we we read about persecution all the way through the Roman Empire, and that's that's historical fact, and it's backed up in the Bible, or it's biblical and it's backed up by historical fact, whichever way you want to look at it, which is um, terrible and it's backed up by Russell Crowe's gladiator as well. Um, if you want to, yeah. Brian anyway.
2: and Daz will be so proud of it.
0: Right <clears throat> yeah, they would be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, I hope they listen to the podcast there. <laughs> so anyway, we, but what, what's amazing is that we read Paul's letters to other churches and... Um, Uh, and other authors who wrote parts of the New Testament, they write letters to other churches, and a lot of the other churches have some glaring issues, be it sin or be it past practices, be it paganism, whatever it might be, and then the Thessalonian church just gets rid of all of that. They had all of that in their society. They had, as you saw from the video, they had um, a lot of sexual Indiscretions, and anyway, I can use that word because we've got kids' church now, hallelujah. And they had just a lot of pagan practices, a lot of Eastern religion coming in because it's a hub. Um, They just—it's a cultural melting pot. Um, A lot of what we're seeing today in our societies in the Western world. Um, But they overcame that. They overcame that through faith, through conviction, and it was a church plant that lasted three weeks with Paul and Silas who were there and they got driven out of the city. So just the strength there is phenomenal. The the joy of their salvation and the power of their salvation was enough to keep them going. And I just found that phenomenal.
2: I think one thing that really struck me doing a bit of the background reading is that if you want to see the events of what happened around the time of the church being founded in Thessalonica, you read Acts chapter 17, which is a few verses about how Paul and Silas go to Thessalonica, set up the church, face immense persecution, and in less than a month are driven out of the city, you know, fleeing for their lives. But if you actually go back the chapter before that, in Acts chapter 16... Paul descri- is described that Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia begging them to come, begging them to come and bring the gospel. So Paul's actually gone to Thessalonica as an act of obedience to the vision that God's put on his heart. And how disappointing for him or how confused must he have been when you know, he stepped out into what he believes God's called him to do. God's called him to go to Macedonia and plan a church. He does that and he lasts three weeks before he's driven out of town running for his life from his point of view, it must feel like a total failure at that point. You think a church that's been founded in three weeks can't survive this persecution, can't succeed, can't, uh, can't win, God. but God thanks to our case. Um, and so I think it's an encouragement to all of us to say that, you know, we often have times where God puts this vision on our heart and when I gave my message I talked about how, um, you know, God can put a vision on your heart that takes a very long time to see fulfilled and to see the fruition of doesn't mean it's not from God, doesn't mean it's not over because it's not over until it's over. And it's the whole principle of 1 Thessalonians is hold on, stand firm, keep going until the end with your faith in Christ.
0: Yeah, and which as uh, it was the theme that was launched in our church on Vision Sunday back in February, stand firm. And then we, then we go straight into the Thessalonian uh, epistles, which is pretty cool. Um, That's probably the best way to sum it up, yeah? Stand firm. Stand firm. Stand firm. Um, So endurance, the fruit of endurance. So we've all had to, we've all had circumstances to endure as humans, not just as Christians but as humans. Everyone does, everyone will. Um, That's just a fact of living in our fallen world. Would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah, some more than others. Some do it better better than others as well. Some people, um, as the saying goes, have a, a hard hand dealt to them. Some have a great hand dealt to them. Um, there's a bit of theology behind that, which um, we won't go into unless we really do get a, a text message uh, about that. That's pretty deep diving. I'll just turn my phone on flight mode for that. Um, but anyway, the fruit of endurance. So uh, Hebrews talks about faith and that's probably the key to endurance in Christ yeah because you've been in church all your life I've been in church all my life we've seen on fire Christians totally walk away from God
2: and I think if you look at the media they love to portray that too
0: absolutely falls from graces cancel culture Um, it's it's pretty evident in today's uh, media narrative so Is faith the antidote to falling away from God? Is faith the foundational cornerstone in keeping your relationship with God alive?
2: I would say it's, can you have several corners? You You feel like a building has multiple corners, right? As um, long as you
0: explain it, you can. But the
2: greatest of these is, oh, these, three, these three things remain faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is uh-huh. love. So I would say faith, hope, and love are the three cornerstones. And I want to circle back a little bit to later in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, because I think sometimes we get in our head that a faithful life or a sort of a superhero of the faith is. Um, you know, we, we, we put our worldly spin on it that it has to look externally impressive, that it has to look shiny, that it has to be, you know, something that um, is worth writing about in great tales. And I've got a grandfather who had two sisters, um, all three of whom would be absolute champions of the faith, the outworking of which looked very different for each of them. One was a missionary in Papua New Guinea for 40 years. She was a gold medalist university student in the 1930s when women didn't go to university. One led a very quiet life, um, had some health issues and was just a prayerful man who devoted his life to God, leading his family and impacted the lives of every single person he spoke to. And one was a homemaker and a wife and every single one of these three you know two sisters and a brother would have an equally impressive story of faith and equally high treasure in heaven but the outworking of that looks very different but we like to put our worldly slant on what impressive faith looks like and it doesn't necessarily have to be shiny by world standards um 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 11 and 12 says make it your ambition to leave a quiet life Mind your own business and work hard with your hands, just as we told you, so that the daily, your daily life may win the respect of outsiders. And I think that's such a good example of what does faith look like? What does that cornerstone of faith, hope, love look like? It doesn't necessarily look shiny. It doesn't look like a microphone up the front. It doesn't look always um, like we might expect it to look, but a quiet life can actually be storing up great treasure in heaven and be a great cornerstone or foundational life for Christ.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, And I would uh, add to that, well, it's not really adding, it's more of a side comment, um, that Paul Paul lived this life so well and modelled it so well. And I'd never really thought about this much as to why he was a tent maker. But as I was doing my research, he became a tent maker because the tools that you needed to become a tent, to be a tent maker were quite small. So they were mobile. So you could have a backpack full of your, the tools of the craft and you could travel around the Roman Empire, plant churches, make tents, build disciples, all in one little backpack or rucksack or saddle for your donkey or whatever it might be. So, uh, so he modelled that he went through all this training under the Rabbi Gamaliel, Gamaliel which uh, David, that's how you pronounce it, um, which David mentioned in, in his sermon. And, um, and that was his calling. That was where God was pushing him to. But he knew that he had to have another way of reaching people. So it was tent making and he had to be self-sufficient as well. So he actually says, in I think it's a second chapter of Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, that um, he was happy that he didn't have to use the resources of that church. He, was, he and Timothy, sorry, he and Silas were self-sufficient. And so... I, we never know if he was a good tent maker a bad tent maker if he had employees if he you know had um, if he was incorporated if he was I don't know I don't know but we'll never know that but what we do know is that he modeled this life for us that he knew his calling he lived out that calling after his salvation and he worked hard and he was self-sufficient
2: I think we can't underestimate the power of working hard in our Monday to Friday jobs and the witness that that has on people. And actually, faith isn't just for Sundays, service isn't just for church, but our day-to-day, nine-to-five, Monday-to-Friday jobs are our mission field. And a fantastic example, if I can take the time, would be a patient that I have seen in the last few weeks has had a very long-standing eye condition and Actually, Dad had been treating him in the 1990s for this same eye condition. That's sort of quite a severe eye condition. And he had quite a lot of troubles and um, lived a fairly rough life at that time. He was last seen in the 1990s, not seen again since, came back again recently. And I saw him as a patient and, and Dad did as well. And he actually gave his testimony as part of his appointment and said that Dad never once spoke about his faith in that consultation setting. He treated his eye condition to the best of his ability and that was the the extent of their interaction. But this man didn't say anything but watched the way that Dad had that interaction in in that professional sphere, had heard along the grapevine, as as many people in town know, that Dad has a strong Christian faith and, and observed, watched the way he did his business, watched the way he interacted with people. And that man came to me this week and said, ''I've given my life to Christ.'' I'm leading Bible study with a bunch of guys who are from a very, very um, rough sphere of life. I'm on fire for God and I owe it largely to the observation that I made of David Moore. How good's that? And he will put his faith and his conversion story down to watching David Moore go about his business without words but go about it in a godly way. And so I think we, you know, St Francis of Assisi said... Uh, what was it? Witness every day, or evangelize every day, and if necessary, use words. It's m- misquoted that most likely, um, but don't discount hard, dedicated work, leading a quiet life, going about your business, but doing it for God. Mm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, we might roll that second video for two Thessalonians, and then we'll reset and talk about that book. Yeah, yeah.
2: Can I ask you a question? because 2 Thessalonians talks a bit about the end times and the man of lawlessness, and we heard a great message on that a few weeks ago. What would you say to people that try and predict the end times or would say, we're definitely in the end times. Now, look, there's wars, there's famines, there's fires. We're definitely in the end times. What would you say to people that tell you that we're definitely in the end times, that the day of the Lord will be seen in our lifetime?
0: Yeah, I think that is... All of that has a lot of merit, um, you the Bible warns us about that as we know not just in two Thessalonians but elsewhere and we, we it's it's okay to think that way because we need to prepare for it um, and so the conversation can be entertained through all those issues and, and whatever points of argument they have to bring forward that yes we're in the end times but as soon as they give a date and a time that's when they've stepped over the line like Everyone that's everyone that's had that conversation and proposed a date and a time—they've all been wrong. So why why bother? Um, so I think yes, live like it is the end, but don't put an, a day on it.
2: I think at, you know the best thing you can do is look what Jesus himself said about end times. And in Matthew twenty-four, he said, "No one, not even the Son of Man so himself, no one knows the hour or the time." So no one can know. And then he goes on in the very next chapter to talk about the parable of the ten bridesmaids, half of whom were prepared, half of whom weren't. And so it's a challenge to us that no one can know but live prepared. And um, I think one encouragement around that, particularly when we talk about you know, the darkness in the world and the man of lawlessness, we can all get very um, engrossed in talking about the devil and his schemes and... Um, I think 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 8 puts it beautifully when it says, The man of lawlessness, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth. Why are we focusing on darkness when Jesus can wash it away with a single breath? Why are we focusing on darkness when we're called to be children in the light? Be aware of the darkness. Be aware of the evil around us. But live as children of the light and may our focus be the light let's uh, let's be aware of the darkness let's be aware of the problems in the world because we need to be the solution but let's not make that our focus and the thing that we dwell on let's dwell on the light and how do we live in the light well you know what does psalm 119 say is the light your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path so let's dwell in the word of god and make that our focus focus on the light not the dark
0: Mm, exactly right okay question here um, is Thessalonians a summary of the history of the early church, albeit written ahead of time?
2: Well, Thessalonians was probably Paul's earliest letter, so yep. written about AD fifty, and the early church. I mean, so it's a it's a good example of the issues that were faced by the early church. But there's a lot of church history beyond AD 50, right up and th- right up through until Constantine, who um, was the first emperor to convert to Christianity and therefore um, stopped this trajectory of persecution. So the persecution of the early church sort of started in the AD 40s. Escalated into the AD 60s under Emperor Nero and then perpetuated for about 250 years after that into the 300s AD when suddenly there was this huge shift. Constantine gave his life to Christ, you know, had a long journey of learning what that meant, which is a topic for another day. But I think Paul is almost prophetic in his discussion around the issues that would be faced by the early church, but it's not a historical um, overview of all churches
0: Yeah, it's a report card of a good church.
2: And an encouragement for how to face the season that is to come, knowing what we know about what would happen with persecution for the church.
0: Yeah, speaking of seasons to come, you read the uh, statistics of uh, Western populations, particularly in Australia, church attendance is declining. Um, We're seeing more attacks on the Christian church now, uh, not helped by some significant Christians. Um, who have media profiles, Um, it seems like it's getting harder to be a Christian in Australia. Is this the instructional manual for Christians in Australia in 2022?
2: I think 1 and 2 Thessalonians are incredibly encouraging and relevant to our church in this day and age, and I would never, ever, ever dare to say that the church in Australia faces persecution because there are churches in the world that do face persecution and we want to honour them and recognise how blessed we are to have the freedom that we have, but also recognise that our culture is shifting and that Christianity is not the norm and that to be a Christian and to have a strong faith now actually requires an intentional step to be different from the norm and you actually have to be a little uncomfortable. You actually have to step out of the norm of society And potentially the church has been at its best through the millennia when it's had to do that. And so I think the books of 1 and 2 Thessalonians can be an encouragement as we start to face a time that is not exactly the persecution that the Thessalonians faced, but starting to face problems that would be akin to intolerance.
0: Yeah. Um, I certainly don't think that the that the church in Australia is worse off because of declining numbers in church. I think we're actually strengthened. I think we're pruned back. I think that um, even though we've got less Christians in parliament, that we're having attacks from uh, on legislation that was previously put in by, by Christians, um, I don't think it's such a bad issue. We don't need governments to help us be Christians as we read in the scriptures. Um, We can be the church, we can do church, we can be Christians, and the ones that are remaining are strong and faithful, and I firmly believe that it's actually a good thing.
2: Well, there is a big difference between church attendance and passionate faith, and percentage-wise, you're probably seeing less tokenistic attendance Which means as a percentage of your congregation, who is actually intentional, who wants to be here, who's involved, who's invested, percentage-wise, that's rising. And the church, in certain spheres, is growing. Um, I love that warning against idleness, which I think the video explained in the cultural context of the time, but we can definitely extrapolate to our church today that it can be very tempting to be a church attender who sort of sits in the background and, you know, doesn't necessarily say anything, but thinks about all the things that could be done better. And I think we could probably all be a bit guilty of sort of sitting here thinking, coffee's a bit slow coming out today. Or um, no one said hello to me when I walked in today. They just need to be doing better. They could be doing better at that. And I think we're all a bit guilty of potentially um, having those thoughts and as an extrapolation of two Thessalonians and Paul's comments on idleness, I would encourage and challenge each of us, and myself included, that when those thoughts come, rather than saying, "Mm, someone needs to do something about that, you be the someone. Yep. Um, We are, the church is not a building. It is not a group of people up the front putting something on. It is Us coming, you know, God's people coming together to support one another in our love and in our race towards Christ. So, you think the coffee comes out slow? Get on the coffee team and start bringing it out. You think no one said hello to you when you walked in? Find someone who's alone, go say hello to them. Um,
0: Kids' church. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) We need volunteers. Um, We might leave it there because of the time. We Any more probably, text messages? Uh, no, just Mike Kramer saying, look at the time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, thanks, Mike, for keeping us honest. Um, I'm yet to read off my notes. You've, you've done about 20% of your notes, so I hope that that's, we've at least put something into that chat which you can take away. Um, easy to read through 1 Thessalonians. Again, to recap, great podcast to listen to, on your commute or through your exercise routine or whenever you listen to podcasts. Um, So anyway, first one, thank the preacher for the word. Thank you, Phoebe. Thank you, Andrew. (laughs) Um, So overflow is tonight at 6 p.m. right here. Holy Spirit is going to be moving powerfully. And um, if you can get here, that would be fantastic. Um, Heart and soul. What's heart and soul? Heart and soul is for volunteers. So if you're a volunteer, uh, if you, thank you. If you're not a volunteer, come and see me because we've got kids' church. <laughs> and um, we'll have to do a, a mental health check on Colette and the girls after this. Um, but we, uh, we have multiple opportunities to serve. Um, Heart and Soul is just a night where we get connect group leaders and we get... Um, volunteers to come in and we sow some vision and we have a cuddle and we pray and we just make sure that everything's okay. You said a, when no one's cuddling you, you're a bit snotty. No, but I'm good. I'm negative. Um, so, okay, I won't cuddle anyone. Um, but And we just go through some housekeeping stuff for volunteers as well. So um, if you are a volunteer, strongly encourage you to come along, yeah? Now, uh, Alpha is starting up again soon so great course Um, we were actually part of a church in the UK that ran Alpha um, part of Holy Trinity Brompton and that was phenomenal the way they used that course so if you haven't done it if you've been a Christian um, forever or you've never um, done that kind of course that is also a fantastic one to do as well so come and see me for more details Um, Mother's Day when's that
2: 8th of May, which, by the way, is also Gaymore's birthday.
0: Oh, yes. She
2: gets the double. Or is right. it not fair because she has to, you know, tack them together?
0: We can't condense the present. Two cards. We'll go to two cards. Two cards. We'll do two cards. Anyway. Shh, don't tell her. Um, that's 8th of May. So right here. So we've got, we've got um, gifts. We're going to bless the mothers and the women in the room. Uh, you don't have to have had a kid, but I think you said before when you're praying for Colette that it takes a village to raise a child, yeah? Um, We believe that every lady here sows into kids and we wanna honor that. Um, So come along for 8th of May. It's going to be very feminine. It's gonna be good. We're gonna celebrate all the mothers. Um, Now, connect groups. If uh, If you want to be in a connect group, come and see me. We are going to do a bit more of a push For that, Um, from Heart and Soul, we're appointing the the next Connect Group leaders. If this is something that's stirring on your heart, that would be pretty good too. Speaking of heart stirrings, um, we have, did you guys know that we run Alpha Cruces Bible College at our church? So it's pretty cool. Now, we have the opportunity for people to come in and sit in lectures led by our own Mike Kramer either on a Monday night or a Tuesday night for free. Don't have to enrol, don't have to pay, don't have to do assignments. You can come and sit in and listen to the great Mike Kramer. And so if you would like to do that, there's a pamphlet up on that little info table where the, the number 12 is. Take it home. Now, ideally, we get more people involved in this. We do... Uh, we'll, we'll take have intakes for semester two. So if this is something that you think oh, I've always wanted to do Bible college but I just don't know if it works it does It can it will it's worthwhile there's always time to study in your life. trust me I've've stu- I've done Bible College I've started studying after you've gone to bed some evenings and it's been it was fantastic. Um, it was busy but it was all worthwhile. So if that's you, come and see me or grab a pamphlet um, and we can talk further. There's a QR code for everything. So on your tables, you can scan the QR code. There's a lot of information about what's going on, um, including ways for automated giving. Um, As usual, the giving box is up there, the black box, so put it in um, there. Now, if you've got a kid, don't forget that you've got a kid. Your kid is in there. So we need to do pick up straight away. We need to reset the room for the 10 o'clock service. Um, So we'll do pick up right away. And give Colette a huge round of applause as you do so. High five, (laughs) cuddle, coffee, something like that. Um, So anyway, now, do you want to pray to wrap us up?
2: I'd love to pray. And just a disclaimer, next week we're starting off a new series we're starting the book of john so be excited about that but let's pray
0: and she's you she's preaching aren't you with the great pastor yes. Bron as well yes that's exactly right
2: all right let's pray heavenly father we thank you so much for uh, the way you speak to us uh, and the way that you want to be known, and by, uh, known by us and know us. Thank you that you're a God for relationship, a God who wants to uh, commune with, with your people. We thank you for what you're doing in this space. We thank you for uh, the heart that you have for your church. Um, we just ask that you be with each of us as we go out into our week. Encourage us to, to take what we've learned and put it into action, to stand firm, to live with faith and to hold on to the hope within, you know, hold on to endurance with hope in you. Um, and we thank you that you walk with us in, into our week. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Have a great Sunday, everyone. Enjoy the sunshine. We'll see you next week.